Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. That looks better. You kind of scare you without a hat on. <laughs> it's this traditional way for us and uh, everybody has this as they think one goes crocodile dundee is the most famous one that yeah that comes to me but yeah that's all this did you kill the gator for the hat band uh this one i actually did yes well this is a crocodile oh the crocodile yeah yeah i don't know why they're very similar the gator yeah. gator is uh not as born as pissed off as a crocodile yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just mad. That's that's actually a really neat hat. Band. Is that teeth in there too? Is that what's in there? Or is that it's like a, toenails? It's the actual teeth. Yeah, it's in there. This one I lost, so I made a bone replica of it. But there's the actual real teeth. That's, that's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. This is the tail piece. What's yeah. the purpose of it? Uh, oh, the, I, I get what you're saying now. The actual piece of its tail. Yeah, this is the yeah. you know the region in the back. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what this is. That's so pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. This is the tip of the tail. Now, did you make that hat man yourself? The hat band, yes. The, the hat I got uh, years ago. Gosh, this, I had to repair this thing so many times. It's like <laughs> Those are the best hats, though. They're perfectly broken. Correct. They always fit your head perfect. My head is like warped because I got my skull broke a few times here and here and whatever. So, but that hat fits like a glove, and you put it on, and it just sits there. Mm-hmm. That's magic. But in the summer, it gets a little hot, so you sweat a lot. And what it does is it cracks the leather. Yeah. And then I have to repair it. So, <laughs> so now uh, the old hats like old shoes. Right. So they're so comfortable, you know. Well, you, and <clears throat> they don't make them like they used to. And the fact that you couldn't, you'd be hard pressed now to go out and buy. Um, like a pair of work boots where you can actually resole them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy a pair. I found one. I was like, I was looking for shoes, and uh, the guy I went to, and I was looking for shoes made in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told that to a guy once. I said that I'm looking for shoes made in America, and these words were "Good luck." And I looked, and I thought, well, Red Wing is made here, but it's not it's made in China uh, with American materials. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so I found a um, and I found a brand that made it's Chippewa, mm-hmm. is the brand they actually make them here Do with they really? American materials, and you can resell them. Hmm. So I have those boots, but uh, I they cost so much that you only wear them on high days and holidays. You'll never need right. to yeah. have them resold anyway. You know, 
So I don't know which is better. I just don't want to support Chinese because I can't stand them. I, I want to say that um, New Balance is made in America. Not anymore. Not anymore. In Bangladesh. It used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a shame. It used to be like the only uh, tennis shoe company made in America. They all start here just to yeah. make their name and say they made here and then they slowly. Well, what's really sickening away. is yeah. when you really get into what the. Uh, I'm not. Uh, not sure who governs that, but what they consider, quote unquote, made in America. Mm-hmm. It's not as made in America as you would expect it need to be. The Department of uh, Agriculture actually runs everything. Right. Um, all kinds of commerce. I mean, everything that's imported and exported goes through Department of Com- uh, Agriculture. And with this jerky thing, I found out what a mountain of bureaucracy you go through. And the things involved in it. And it's made in America is like saying, I make my jerky from grass-fed beef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't exist. But your jerky is made in America. Jerky is made here. Yeah. 100% with beef from Fort McCoy in Central Florida. Oh, nice. Nice. Yep. And it's the Florida Sustainable Beef Producers. Awesome. So the beef doesn't have extra hormones or extra any of that in it it doesn't have all any of that in it it's not grass fed but they graze on grass right but they also eat hay and but they don't feed them corn obviously so that that's not in there so the cows are all all not the same size as these you know the big boys because they're actual natural right so they call their beef florida natural beef which is it could be grass fed grass finished uh, they've got so many different qualifications for the same thing that you don't know what the thing has actually eaten. If it's a feedlot cow, it was fed corn. Yeah. Period. And it was basically fed corn until the day they took it out. So you don't know what you're getting. Beef is not supposed to eat corn. Right. But also for like grass fed. No, they're not, they're not grain fed. They're not grain fed. Well, yes, they are. They are. They eat every time in the during the year when the grass makes seeds they eat all that that's grain yeah so you can't say the gra- the, uh, the cows never had great had any grain they do natural grains they eat they eat the grass they so but the best beef so far and i can tell you the fort mccoy slaughterhouse i walked through it i had a look at it me and ben both my partner, we went over there. We wanted to see if it's safe to get our beef from this place. Right. Let me tell you something. That it looks like a spaceship. I've <laughs> never seen a place as well organized and technologically advanced. And it's a slaughterhouse. I mean, if it if it wasn't for the two days that a cow has to hang to ripen, right? You ripen the cow. The cow would be in a package in 30 minutes. <laughs> wow. From the kill cage yeah. to the package. 30 minutes. I mean, efficiency is is really fine in that place. There's no blood on the floors. There's no bones laying around. There's no... The, this, the, the place is amazing. So that's kind of stuff you, you would, in your mind, imagine seeing as blood all over the place. Correct. It's a slaughterhouse. And you're yeah. thinking, you know, you're going to see all the guts and whatever. No, sir. There is none... Right up to the kill cage. I was standing right there watching them take the cows out, right? Bring them in. And I've never seen a cow die that fast in my life. Wow. 
It's incredible. They use a 22 blank. Mm -hmm. They use a 22 blank and uh, to put this piston in the in the. But I mean, and it was designed by some lady that's a um, autistic. She's designed what they call a human kill, a humane kill cage. Right. Mm -hmm. And it hugs the cow, and the cows. I mean, where the cows delivered, they come in. And it's like feng shui there. There's no sharp corners in the road or in the path that they walk. It's all rounded. The hay is fresh. It's like it was just cut. The water, I will drink out of there, the water that those cows get. Yeah. It's clean. And they basically wander their way to the front. When, there's, when they're not on a schedule, they don't, they don't push the cows ever. Those cows are completely on their own. They get pushed forward by the other cows, basically, is what forces them to yeah. go closer and closer. They walk into that kill cage, calm, you cannot, kill cage hugs them on the side, comes up and it hugs them like this, two parts, one part come down, one part come up, hugs them nice and gentle, calm, the cow is calm, it's, and it's dead, Yeah. slides down, cut it open, and then the magic starts. It's just to see people well trained in whatever they do of... I mean, there's a guy who they stand on lifts because now it's hoisted up. Right. They stand on lifts that they control with air. And he's got a bandsaw on his hand and he slices that cow in the center right through. You can't even hear the blade. It's not like you think you hear in a butchery shop. You hear this blade. Yeah. In a but no, it's, not, it's not like that. You don't hear it. He cuts it so accurately in half that, that when the two carcasses split, they test the the spinal cord mm -hmm. and then it's vacuumed out and it's exactly the same quantity in each side this guy knows what he's doing that's somebody who knows what they're doing yeah, yeah. he's trained <laughs> um but and then these uh the advancements that they've made in the slaughterhouse industry is crazy uh they move they go past electrical fingers that just touches the i mean when you when you when you visit the place and you do a tour you start at the packaging area Right, mm -hmm. you walk in, you completely disinfected. You wear a Tyvek suit. You have to have these their boots on. You walk over boot washers, put your hands in ultraviolet UVC, and then you walk in. You have to wear the face face net, uh, hair net, um, and then you start walking by the packaging area and you walk your work your way back, because you're now in the life of well, in the most possibly contaminated area, or you can contaminate that area. It's bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So you start there and you work way through. You get from the packaging, you see the grinders, how they do for the ground beef and where they slice it for this. You've seen a, a Texas tomahawk, right? Steak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So me and my partner were standing there, we watching, and the, the guy's talking. He's a, incidentally a Michelin chef that's running the place. And he stands in, he's explaining to us the different stages. And, you, and when you stand in one specific area, you can almost see it all happen. And um, me and Ben is just looking at this guy with this knife. And the carcass comes around and he slices it like you would wipe dirt off something. Just like that. And he slices. That's how they grade. That's where they grade the meat. He slices it up the bone. And that takes stomach opens up like this. And me and Ben was like, what? <clears throat> I said to Ben, I wonder if they have a grill in the back here. Cause yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could take that <laughs> right now. <laughs> and... Uh, Work back from there, how the how the meat's graded, trimmed, selected for different cuts. It's it's the advancements they've made is is out there. I mean, it is way above 
um, what what you could ever imagine a slaughterhouse to be. Not what right. I've seen slaughterhouses. You know, slaughterhouse. Yeah. I mean, you know, I killed more cows I can count in my life in Africa, but with a, with a twenty two handgun, you know, and uh, we would process them and. There was nothing to it. I mean, there's obvi- obviously you're gonna have blood and guts on your shoes, and well, no, not there. Right. Not there. That place is amazing. And once you walk out, also by the door, there's a kill cage, and then there, there's a door that you walk out to where the cows are coming in. It says there's silence. You can't go out there and make music or laugh. Or no. You have to be quiet. Keep the cows calm. And it does have something to do with meat quality. Yeah. Oh, hundred so, percent. Yeah. It's like running a deer with a dog or something. They say it. The the meat's not as good. No, it's not. No, it's not. The thing is so full of adrenaline. No. Well, before we get any further, uh, I want to introduce everybody we got around the table. Um, it, you guys have heard. Well, I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Jordan here with me. I'm here. Let's and get it. You've heard our guest before. It's been quite a while. Yeah, since too. You were on here. Last time we were talking archery. Archery, yes. Uh, and now I guess we're talking about your other life's passion. Beef jerky. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> beef jerky, which we refer to as beef bultong. There's a massive difference between the two products. And this is this is Henrik. How do you say your last name? Uh, over here, it's pronounced Gauss. Gauss. Yeah. Henrik Gauss. Owner of Central Florida Archery. And now, what's the name of this business going to be? This is going to be South African Jerky, LLC. It's already registered South African Jerky. Awesome. Yeah. That stuff's so, good, too. I'm yeah, yeah. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have had your inspection and stuff now? and uh, the Pre-inspection is done. We've got a punch list. We finished the punch list and then some. Um, we are hoping for final inspection by the USDA next week. And then we can go into full production and start uh, making the different flavors. We, know we don't have all the flavors in the world because it's uh, it's not traditional right. to us. We make... I may, I, I have took one flavor which I basically developed here for the American palate, which is the chili bite. The rest is natural um, beef bultong. Right. It's called bultong because, well, it actually will translate to bultong, but that's not what it is. It's actually just some of the best cuts on the beef um, that we use. Um, and we, you will see in the package, if you look at the package, you see the white. That's fat that's on yeah. there. Because that's where the flavor is, yeah. you know. And if you eat correctly and you don't eat sugar, you should stay away from sugar and your body starts using fat as an energy source. You're supposed to eat about 30% fat of your daily protein income, uh, intake should be, fat, should be fat. And um, we don't trim it off. And what I've, what I've seen, what I've heard in the beginning when we started, we've had a few samples sent around to people to taste and whatnot. Everybody was like, oh, it looks great and it tastes great. Oh, but that fat. Until they eat it. And then, I, so I found out the American palate really likes fat, but they don't want to see it. Right. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we developed the, what we call dry horse, which is the, the, the stick over here. It's the, the jerky That's what stick. we've been eating on That's what you've been you showed up. Yeah. That's the chili bite. Now, they make, we make that in a regular, with n- not with the chili spices in it. This one is not hot. It's just flavor it's you can taste the chili just a little we don't we don't make our 
we know how to spice meat so we don't have to make it burn your tongue so you don't taste right. what you're eating. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's like a, a little bit of heat while you're chewing it, uh, but as you swallow it, it goes down and it goes away. It's gone. It's it not, goes you don't away. have that lingering yeah. burn of, yeah, spicy food. Correct. You, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, we don't make our, our food spicy <clears throat> or our beef spicy. We make it flavorful. Yeah. And if you hide, if you put too much spices in it as well, you, you'll kill the flavor of the actual meat. Yeah. It'll become something else. Uh, you eat teriyaki, you can put on bread or a tomato or, you know, and you, what you'll taste is teriyaki. Um, the only real uh, sauce that we would eat is like buffalo wings. But barbecue wings, we, we don't eat that. We don't drown in barbecue. We use salt and pepper. Right. That's it. So that's what, we, with, as far as the biltong is concerned, that's what we make. And biltong became famous years ago. It started in infiltrating into the United States. People started eating it. There's a lot of health aspects about it. It's very, very healthy. Um, it's a completely different dry made, drying method. So it's air dried. The temperature never goes over 82 degrees. So it's not cooked. It's actually air dried. Like you would do uh, salami. It's cured. It's a cured meat, right? And uh, we... Because you don't cook it, there's the temperature that you cook it at normally if it's beef jerky would introduce a lot of pathogens to the meat. Our method is more vinegar-based. So there's vinegar in there, lots of it. And what it does is during the curing process, the vinegar is in there all the time. So once it goes into the cabinets, there's UVC lights in the cabinets, about a 36-mile-an-hour breeze blows over it. At 82 degrees, air goes through, HEPA filters at the bottom, and it gets blown over the meat and sucked out the top, basically just to make the meat sweat. Right. And it will dry it out completely. To the point, if you leave it too long, you'll actually have to break it with a hammer and make it like dust. <laughs> so uh, that's actually one way they eat it in Africa. We dry it so much that you, you break it, like wood. Right. And then you hammer it very to a fine dust and you put it on cheese, on bread. It's delicious. I say, I bet that's pretty good. Yeah, it's very yeah, good. that sounds, yeah. yeah. There's, very diff there's method, diff uh, different methods. We do venison. We do, obviously, beef... Uh, Fish, which in Afrikaans would be referred to as bokoms, which is the Latino market refers to that as bacalao. It's salted fish. Yeah. But we dry it. We actually hang it outside and air dry it. Now, this botong, like you see here, this has been made in South Africa since, well, for centuries. I mean, it's the way they, they uh, preserve meat. Right. So every country does somehow some type of preservation, you know, either it's smoked or whatever it is. So uh, essentially the the... Bulltongue was created to preserve, just preserve meat. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a way to preserve the meat and not have to cook it again. And it was basically the farmers when, in the old days, even here, when they, beef jerky is here for that reason. I mean, they, the guys would work on their farms uh, and come in once a week. And they would go, as far as they go, they would take their dried meat with them, obviously for protein, and they would eat. And when it runs out, they would, kill something and uh, they will dry it there they will hang it over the fire and smoke it you know that's one of the reasons you'll find smoking more more um, preferable in jerky and then you do in boltong in boltong we don't use smoking we only use the salt cure system so there's two different ways to do it and then we use the vinegar so an air dry in south africa we would hang this in our garage roofs above the cars <laughs> and put a fan on it you know <laughs> and that's it and uh five, six days or a week later, 
we start finding out where's the dry pieces and you just eat that. It's just nobody's ever gotten sick ever because the vinegar is in there. Vinegar right. is a very important part of it. So the method is completely different. The flavor is totally different. Um, when Duck Dynasty, of, uh, a couple of years ago, Duck Dynasty had a special of uh, the lady walking in with a box and gives it to the guy and she said, what is this? And he said, that's the South African biltong, he said. And she said, what is it? And he said, it's dried. It's South African jerky. And that was his words. It was South African jerky. Now, my business was at the time already active, but not selling the product yet. We were just making it for testing and friends and whatever. Right. And uh, he said South African jerky. And everybody Googled South African jerky. And my company's name came up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got phone calls like two, three o'clock in the morning. People wanting to order directly over the phone. Because he made the stuff look so delicious that it is, but it's completely strange. Right. This piece was a piece of steak about this long, about that wide, hanging there dry. And he got them whole as well. He didn't get sliced. So he, you know, was licking on it, whatever. So it made the, it opened the market. And when our final inspection is through next week or the week after, hopefully, we will be only the third in the entire United States that manufactures Bolton here. Really? The rest is all jerky manufacturers. We sit under a separate set of rules. We are actually under the same set of rules as McCoy Slaughterhouse, as far as health is concerned. And only thing we don't do is we don't kill the cow. Hmm. It's all the same. Wow. Everything is the same. Now, why does that put you into a separate set of rules? Because we air dry. We don't cook it. We air dry it. We use a different method. Um, our stuff has been tested multiple times in uh, laboratories, and so is the other two manufacturers. And pathogen log zero. There's nothing. There's no pathogens in it. It's uh, it's very healthy. There's dietitians who actually pres- prescribe a type of salad they make with the different greens in it. A handful of fairy cheese and a handful of this exact fatty slice biltong you see there. And they either give it to athletes to eat. And when the athletes run, because it's light when it's dry, when they run, they take that with them and they eat it as they run. Because they, that white piece on there will make you run a mile. The energy inside there. Right. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So that's really what it's very, very good for that. And not only is it delicious, obviously, but just based off these sticks, I could eat it. the sticks are gone, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not that's No, I'm not I'm not oh, telling yeah. you to grab more. I'm We're just, just saying talking. Yeah. <laughs> we started with the back and he's got an, he has an entire I guess as cooler. I was saying earlier, famous <laughs> he's got a, cooler. He's got an arsenal here of yes. this stuff. <clears throat> I came prepared. Well I wanna yeah. try I want I wanna I wanna try that, that yeah, I sliced try these, stuff. These fatty ones. This right? ones. Yeah, the oh. sliced versus uh Versus the sticks, because honestly, when you pulled the sticks out, I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize this was going to be in sticks." Yeah. But I guess that's I'm, another one of your for the you yeah. know, pick your market type. It's, it's what we call dry horse, which t- translates to dried sausage. Yeah, I. Uh, that's what that is. I purposely ate a extremely light dinner before this because I knew I was like, "So did I." <laughs> that was. I'm fixing to fill up on that jerky. Was smart. So, help yourself. Wow, that looks really good. Holy cow. Pass that down. Yeah, let me grab a, some, Jordan. I'm gonna grab a pinch of it here and appreciate it. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Smell the bag. Oh. It's it just it smells like meat. Yeah. This 
basically pure mm. beef. And it's it's crazy that you, you say that. But if I because I we went and, and maybe committed a bit of a cardinal sin, we bought a small bag of uh, I saw Jack it. Link's beef jerky to have a, like a texture comparison. I'm not even going to touch that bag. But I know <laughs> I know that if I open that bag up and smell it, it's going to smell like that little whatever they put on it. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're not going to smell me. Now you know what I mean when I said uh, when they do teriyaki, you can put it on bread, rice, and you taste teriyaki. Right. Yeah. We complement the flavor of the meat with spices. This, uh, this here, I mean, you can literally taste how quality the beef is on it. Yeah. The McCoy's, there's, I, I haven't seen quality beef like that in a very long time. South Africa is famous for good quality beef. So is Texas, you know, the... But I can promise you, McCoy makes, they, yeah. It's like it's like a bag full of uh, steak. Filet mignon. It tastes like yeah. I'm eating a piece of steak. You are. Yeah. And that's the the piece that you that you're eating there is the eye round. On the it's a it's a steak. Yeah. Some of it we make out of a cut called picanha, which is a Brazilian, which is a um, punto de anca in Spanish or the sirloin tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could buy that in a restaurant. That's what we use. There's a reason our prices are not as low as the rest of them. Right. There's a reason Bentleys cost more than Volkswagens. You uh, you get what you pay for. Oh, absolutely. That fat though. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, like I hate seeing people eat a steak and then cut the fat off and throw it away. You're like, yeah. You're missing the best part. Like, I'll, I'll cut the fat away from the steak just so that I can eat the fat alone by itself. Correct. I went to Bucky's in Daytona. So I love the place. And uh, I watched them pull a brisket out. And they laid it on the desk. And the guy, first thing he did was he sliced the fat cup off and he, and with such disrespect, just flicked it into the trash can. And oh. I oh, I looked at him. I'm like, I want that. He said, that's just fat. I said, Exactly. That's the best part. Keep it on there. Slice it. Dice yeah. it up and put it in between the sandwiches. And, you know. That's got the best flavor in it. They cut it off. They cut it off. The sugar lobby in the United States is responsible for that. I just want to throw this out there right now. That I've never been to Busey's. And now that I, know they, now that I know they cut the fat off the top of that, I'm, I'm not going. I'm going back. The, I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. But, listen, yeah. He already said though he loves the place, and I can tell you right now that <laughs> I didn't go. I haven't been to the one in Daytona, but I went to one in uh, Tennessee, and uh, I was sold when I walked in the front door and they were selling deer feeders. Yes, it's in Georgia. Yes, and uh, mm-hmm. was it just across state line? Had we made it that far? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was like two o'clock in the morning, so. They yes. uh, they make the best beef brisket sandwich in the world, <laughs> but they it would have been the best unbeatable. Not true. It, unbe- it, yeah. If somebody walked in there and grabbed just stole their brisket and sliced it up with the fat on it, made you a, a brisket a better sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Absolutely, um, I, they have the ability to make the best in the world. They also have a wall of jerky. They had, they call it jerky wall. It's all there. <laughs> And all kinds of brands and everything. Everybody's mark is there. So we're going to see yours in there soon. Yes, that's the plan. Um, I've, there is some other ones, Biltong, in there. And uh, I have, if if there's Biltong in this country, I've tasted it. I've found it and I've bought it and I've tasted it. 
because I am from South Africa and there's a lot of people from South Africa, which everybody has their own recipe. This is our family's recipe and it's been a recipe since I can remember. So some families have a recipe where that, that nice piece of steak you just ate will taste like Dawn soap. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. And I don't want to know how they do it. But anyway, some of the biltong that I've bought in the United States taste like that. And I don't know why. And then 90% of the biltong I've bought here has no fat on it. They literally cut it all off. In the beginning, when I was making for friends, some friends would ask, could you make us a lean batch? I'm like, no. I make, <laughs> make it with fat on. I mean, eventually I did. I started making it and then... I use the same spice, the same exact everything. So a, a, an eye round has a fat cap on one side. So I cut it in half. I use that for the fat piece and this for the lean piece. Mix it, same spice, same everything. There's a complete difference between flavor between the two parts. Just because this one's got fat on it. The problem is getting the American palate or eyes used to the fat. Because they, the moment they bite into it, they don't like the texture. So this sausage is right there. If you pick up that bag, that has the same fat quantity as that bag. But you don't see it. You don't see it. Now, if, yeah. you, if you warm this up, can you see like that? There's a little like golden oil there. Yeah. That's it. You, oh, you, the, could, you could see it on the inside of that bag right there. The, the, not that bag, but the empty bag that had the, the sticks in it. Before. Oh, yeah, there's yeah, the color. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yes. That's fat. And that's, everybody loves it. But they don't want to eat that. Well, the thing is, is, is you're right. It's, it's not so much the palate as it is the eyes. It's the eyes. You just have to get used to because... We eat fat everywhere. The the grease that drips out of your nasty cheeseburger from McDonald's or whatever. Gotcha. That's fat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that and that's what makes that that place you go. You're like, man, that little mom and pop diner, that super greasy cheeseburger. Mm. That's what makes it so good is is the fat in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when when they were frying everything in lard, right? We had half the heart disease. It's stress that helps helps everything along, but. The, the bottom line is for a brand of Bultang to start here now and come into the country and begin to manufacture and sell, we have our work cut out for us because we are going to show what's really in the meat. Yeah. We show the Bultang. We... Well, I, I think also on your side right now, you've got a lot of uh, health crazes and diets that are yes. strictly you know meat-based diets and, and stuff like that that are really going to help your cause. Correct. Uh, and they acknowledge the fact that there is such a thing as good fat. I mean, there is good fat and there is bad, bad fat. fat. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and good fat is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah, healthy is. cow is going to have good fat on it. Correct. And that's a, that's a fact. And what you mentioned, I mean, you said the meat, the meat quality is very good. That's when, if you go into McCoy and you see the beef carcass come past you, you can clearly see the difference. You can clearly see it. The, the high quality carcass that comes by you, the fat's the color of this piece of paper right here. Oh, perfect white, nice yeah. white, yeah. and it's the the marbling is real tight on it. And, Correct. There's yeah. some uh, uh, meat slices that we get from there that looks like wagyu. Oof. I mean, it's amazing. Um, and then you see one or two because I mean they buy cows from a supplier, right? The supplier yeah. is the Florida Beef uh, Sustainable Beef Farming, um, fantastic group of people. The, the, that group of farmers is just an example of what it could be, and what these guys do. Uh, if a cow comes in, they buy a cow at an auction, whatever it is, they fatten it up a little bit with their cows, but they don't know where what it's been ate, ate before. 
and you see that cow come, carcass come by you, the fat looks like butter. It's yellow. You can see it immediately. And when I noticed that, the gentleman that took us through the tour actually ex- gave us the final ex- inspl- uh, explanation. This is what that is. This is what that looks like. I mean, oh, incidentally, they, they, it's like an, an S shape. So this half a carcass comes past you and uh, on the way to the cool room where it's going to hang. And the, he's, he's been cut in half. He's been pretty much ready to just hang. No skin, nothing, nothing. Muscles are still twitching in him like this. That's crazy. Half a carcass. And then That's fresh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they go past these fingers that just caress the carcass as he goes around. And it's an electrical, electrical charge that they run through it. And it bleeds out faster as well. Then The meat, the, the muscles. Oh, yeah. I guess as long as it keeps the muscles pumping, it, it pushes the blood out Correct. faster. Yeah. 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 It makes it move all the time. And it relaxes completely afterwards. So your quality of meat, it's, I've dealt with knives a very long time. The guy that cut that tomahawk steak, like with one sweep, effortless like this, of course had a very sharp instrument in his hand, but the beef was so tender that he literally, the life just fell into it from the tip of the tomahawk to the spine. He just did this. It's very high quality meat. If you see that and you see that in a package and you taste it, I can buy that and make it like this so I can go to... Walmart and buy a uh, a cheap steak, a nice. I'm looking for a nice thinly sliced New York strip, yeah. Walmart quality. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a word to describe what the quality you would get, but so I can, garbage. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I can make it same spice. Hang them both up in the cabinet. They uh, and it's going to be a complete different. I mean, making bultong is not easy. It is not. Everything changes. The recipe that I'm using is our family recipe. It had to be tweaked because we buy our spices. Our spices may be fresher or older. You know, as you go along, you get used to your different spices you use. And you have to tweak the quantities of your spices in order to get to the specific flavor. Right. That flavor profile is important. So sometimes you put more coriander. Sometimes you put more cumin. Or you know, So if your spice is a little older, you may add a little more of it to get the yeah. proper flavoring from that spicy correct yeah because a lot of people put spices in cabinets and you know if a a spice should be in a dry dark place yeah yeah make yourself a spice coffin and put it in there it's got to be dark and dry and it will it'll last longer so it's kind of like a humidor well i guess humidor adds yes and no uh you want the air to be dry but dark yeah has to be dark. You better, but I tell you this: if you're going to need it dry, you better put some dehumidification packets in it. If you live in Florida, yes, yeah, most definitely. Because I've got a humidor right now that has zero humidifying packets in it, and it's sitting at 85 percent humidity in my in my bedroom. You talk 80 percent humidity in there. You talk about moisture in Florida. In our facility now, we installed a dehumidifier to pull the humidity down, so we can have a drying time that's exact according to the process. Right. All that. So. This thing will manufacture you four gallons of distilled water in six hours. Holy cow. And if you're not there to empty it, it'll turn off. So I had to lay a drain line in it. Four gallons in six hours, depending on the time of month. In, in the middle of August, it was five gal- well, it was four gallons in, in four hours. A gallon an hour yeah. comes out of the air. Crystal clear water. And we don't realize it because we walk around here, we... We breathe this air all day long, which is kind of healthy, humid air, but it doesn't feel very good. But 
that area is absolutely bone dry in that building now. And you have and the the once I installed the drain line, you look at where it goes into the drain. It's a constant, not a drip. It's a it's a constant trickle of water that comes out of the air that we're breathing, and that's, that's in a, inside the facility where the place is sealed off. And I'll tell you, I so I, I worked in an office that had to have a, a dehumidifier in it due to the mm-hmm. uh, the things we kept in there, mm-hmm. and in Kentucky, and that dehumidifier would take about a month to manufacture three gallons. Mm. Yeah, in Kentucky, yeah. three, three yeah. gallons. You'll get, you'll be lucky to be able to keep it for four hours. You'll have yeah. it three hours, four hours. Now, and as we've stated before, Florida is about the third, second most second humid, most humid state. You know what the, the first States. most humid state is? Probably North Carolina, Alaska, Alaska. Yeah, it's first most. It humid has the state highest relative humidity. I thought it would be drier. It's so cold. You would think that, but you think about the, all the marshes and all the everything in the summertime. Evaporation is high. Yeah. That makes sense. I never yeah. thought of that. I was I saying, and I, I guess I didn't think about it either, but they have times where it's sunlight almost 24 hours. Oh, that's right. So the evaporation yeah. is even higher than... It's twice that, yeah. 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 I never thought of that either. Yeah. I, did, I didn't think about, you know, because when I Googled it, uh, I can't remember why I was Googling it, but I was like, man... My first thought was, I oh, like Florida's got to be. I know it's in the top ten. I said maybe in the top five. Number two, uh-huh. we're more humid than Louisiana. That's also amazing because they've got more marshes than we do, don't they? By half a percent, but we're more humid than Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> That's taking the state in a whole too. So you're including right. like uh, the Everglades and everything. Well, we're surrounded by two oceans, right? Yeah. And also, when you get into northern Louisiana, it's fairly dry. I yes. think a lot of people think about Louisiana and they think about the Mississippi River Delta and, and stuff like yeah. that down on the Gulf Coast because that's really what Louisiana is most famous for, New yeah. Orleans and everything like that. Yeah. So you think the entire state swamp when in reality it's you go into northern Louisiana and it looks like south Georgia. Yeah. Oh, okay. Pine trees and red clay and, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Most favorite tree. I can't stand pine trees. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought the same thing until I didn't. I wasn't able to. I, when I moved out of Florida and I lived in Kentucky and I didn't see pine trees for five years. I sat in a whole pine forest that one I time. I know. I know that. But you think about how regularly you see pine trees here yeah. versus how regularly we saw them there. There were mm. patches of pine forest, but you could walk 30 yards from where in from the middle of that forest and be back in the oaks again. Yeah. Mm. So, but in here, oh my God. Go for miles and miles and miles. It'd never see an oak tree. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Or at least a million pine trees coming up through the oak trees. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. But pine trees don't don't destroy houses like oak trees do. So, yeah. Well, they could, I guess. Let's see. And that's another thing that that a lot of uh, development in Florida has caused people to believe that that oak trees destroy houses like that. The water oaks do. Yeah. Water oaks do, yes. Live oaks. Live oaks don't. Yeah, no. No, they stay. Yeah, you'd be, you be hard-pressed to get with them suckers to fall over. They don't grow very tall. Yeah. And then water oaks will get up there, and they have a lifespan of like 50 or 60 years, which is just enough for them to get real big and then fall on your house. Yeah. Yeah, the live oaks is the ones. In the beginning when I came to Florida, I was helping a lot of uh, civil guys build buildings, and so and the architects all prescribed over here and engineers live oaks to be yeah. planted. Yeah, because it's, you know, it doesn't... It's beautiful. Well, they're, they they're are, native. 
to the southeast. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful to see those trees, especially when they get really, really big. The property that my range is on, I have some yeah. of the most beautiful live oak I've ever seen in my life. It's I'm, it's like the one specific one looks like the tree of life in that's depicted the tree. It looks exactly like that. Yeah. It's Listen, amazing. I, I went out to his range a while back to get my uh, bow worked on, and I just about had to drag Katie away from his chickens. Mm. <laughs> she just wanted to hang out with the chickens. Yeah, they're all like, tame. They're all completely you can yeah, come up to you. You walk past the pin and they run up to the cage. Yeah, they, they run just, right at the fence. They want to get their back scratched. They, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you don't have guineas. I did. You did? Yes, yes, I did. And then I bought a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> guineas don't have a volume control. I was say, I heard I've heard they can be mean too. They don't. Now, guineas are car dogs can be very violent i mean a, yeah. a good pack of guineas they'll kill a coyote yeah, uh, guineas is uh very violent they all they look they have no volume control they have one all the way that's it they go <laughs> as loud as they can from whatever moment they decide to go and the only way to determine male from female is the sound they make um the male will walk around and it was like sound like he's saying buckwheat all the time buckwheat buckwheat that's a male if it's a female and just they just you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's that sound that makes you want to shoot it. Three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah I had Guinness. I don't have them anymore. They're great. They're great so, guard dogs. Now that we're on the subject of fowl, is it is it ever a thing to have made bull tongue from from fowl? Because uh, I know like waterfowl is a red meat, but it, it's not fatty like beef. No. Uh, the only fowl we use in Africa is ostrich. Oh. Yeah, that is some of the best boltong I have had. Is that ostrich. sounds really good. Yeah, ostrich is very, very good. It's very dark, real dark. The meat, the grain is incredibly fine. It's a lot like this African venison grain. It's very fine. Over here, the, like the white-tailed grain here, same as beef. Color is the same, grain size is the same. Uh, ostrich is dark and it's very thin grains. So that's the way when I shot cranes, we've talked about it a couple of times. I went to Texas and shot some sandhill cranes mm-hmm. and their grains are very, I mean, they're thin and they're really tight. Yes. It's just a really dense, tight red meat. That's one of the bulltongs we dry so much that you actually have to break it with a hammer. We crumble it up like that. It's, it's fantastic. It doesn't get sliced as big. It gets a lot. It's about the size of this when it's raw. It's about this size when it's raw. It's like an inch diameter. Yeah, so an inch. Yeah. And um, when it dries, it's about, I don't know, three quarter, half an inch. You lose 50% wow. of your weight when you dry. So, and then it just breaks like this and you can eat it. It's it's very, there's almost no sinew in it. Ostrich is fantastic. So you have any plans to, I mean, how hard would it be to, to commercially produce? Ostrich over here. If I can find a supplier of meat that will be USDA approved, I will. We've been fortunate with the USDA. They've been... It's been a bureaucratic mountain, bureaucratic mountain. But Ben, my business partner, has been absolutely, you cannot replace this man with the knowledge that he has. And the, the he deals with the USDA like you should. I mean, perfect. They get along. They do. The USDA has been very helpful. The USDA wants us here. They want us to open this facility in Florida. It will be third in the country, and they want us here. But we do have to be according to their rules and regulations, which if you look at the mountain and you wonder why you have to do all this red tape, in the end, it covers you. It does. There's been situations in the country where there are certain institutions that would go against the Bolton guys. 
because we are starting to affect the, the market. And I can, I can see why. Yeah. And what happens is <laughs> we've had, uh, there has been rumors that packages have been bought and repackaged with contaminated product and hung up and sold, you know, to basically say, well, just dried beef is not as healthy as cooked beef because cooking it kills everything. That is absolutely not the truth. But the fact is, so when you go through the USDA inspection and they, we don't even process a single ounce of meat unless they are present. They stand there while you work with the meat. And when you pull it out the cabinets, basically they want to slice, dice, and spice. Th then it goes into the fridge overnight. If it's the sticks or whichever one anyway, goes into the, then the next day the sticks are ground up. The meat's ground up for the sticks. The bolton is just hung up immediately, right? You cannot touch that meat unless the USDA is there in person. And they will watch you go through every single step. You will go through your pre-cleaning afterwards, then your disinfectation, and then they will take swabs. Now, is this, this is, I assume, is not an everyday practice? Every single time we process, the USDA has to be present. Wow. It is, wow. It is very serious. About, yeah, very so serious. It, how often do you process? When we start uh, after this, it'll be on a daily basis. The, like Mondays, for instance, will be the meat comes in and it's sliced, diced, spiced. Tuesday, it's actually ground and stuffed or sliced and hung. Um, and then it starts going through the drying process. Now you've got about three days. It takes four days to dry to the right dryness. Then it goes for a day in the refrigerator, open. It lays an open trace in a walk-in fridge. Um, and then for a day. And then the day afterwards, what we want the actual beef to do is to, to dry, in the, to cool down in the fridge from regular room temperature. But then we slice it and then we lay it again so that it doesn't stick together like... If you do it immediately, it'll glue together. If you right. vacuum it immediately. So we will lay it open again. So it gets a little bit of skin to the... And so every time we touch meat, the USDA is there in person. So you so, pretty much have to have somebody from the USDA every single day. We have to advise them. We're going to be processing proxy of, uh, next Monday, um, uh, two, 300, 400 pounds, whatever the, the order is, 1,000 pounds. Um, and then 1,000 pounds means 500 dry. Because you lose half your weight just because right. you're drying it. So, and then it'll take approximately four hours, five hours, or six hours, whatever the time span is. They'll have that person there for the full amount of time that you're busy processing. The person stands there, walks around, do does whatever he does, um, but keeps you to your method of operation. We give them the method in the beginning. This is how we make it. You cannot veer off of that because it'll stop you and they'll close you. You have to do exactly as you said you were going to do. Um, and then it's uh, when we start going full production and the orders come in from the areas we have already got pre-orders in, we will be producing 24 hours a day. So at this point, at that point in time, we would have to have, I don't know, um, talk to the USDA and find out what's the possibilities of training somebody or if not, if they can. Or otherwise, we'll have to have a facility twice the size just to do it during working hours. And produce because you would you also have to every 12 hours stop sterilize or clean it's a pre-clean final clean of, or detail clean and then sterilize it's one after the other so to keep the product safe you know it helps everybody it's annoying but it helps everybody right so i mean a piece of meat goes out there or the bag goes out there somebody buys it puts it contaminated in there it's got a batch number on it 
that contaminated the the USDA signs off like yeah that batch was not contaminated this package doesn't come from there right well it goes back to if for some reason somebody got sick then they could go back and uh, I guess for uh, recall purposes correct yeah Yeah. something comes back and you can say if your lot number ends in four five six then you need to pull it in yes yeah yeah so there's the control systems they have here is for a reason it's a little on the heavy side but we can understand and we Ben is doing a fantastic job working with it getting this thing through um we're gonna see as production ramps up what we need to do i mean we, you talked about leaving the fat on there i guess you probably would really you wouldn't want to make this out of alligator no no because fat's terrible alligator fat tastes so absolutely I, I do terrible have one yeah. so i feel like and correct me if i'm wrong this is probably another more prominent meat and per se south africa but goat oh yeah you can make it yeah yeah, you can absolutely. I've heard that. goat meat is really good. And I actually have a buddy that has a bunch of meat goats, and uh, they take them, get them slaughtered and processed, and yeah. everything. And I told him the other, I was talking to him. I said, "Bro, I need to trade you some venison for some goat meat." Is that the the, Heath? the brown and white goats? Uh, the boar goats, I think. No, boar goats. Yeah, they come yeah. from South Africa, where I'm from. Yeah. So, and he was like, "Bro, I got goat chops." He was like, "I got pork <laughs> chops that are goat." He's, like, "I got goat chops." Oh, I was like, "They are delicious." Awesome. dude you let me know we're gonna trade and i'm getting some goat meat probably. yeah you definitely need to do that and because if he's gonna cut him he's also not gonna cut the fat off there's no better yeah. chop than a goat chop well goat and lamb is pretty much the same the that's taste what he said same. goat chops and i was like i'm sold bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> telling you you do that on a fire wood fire not charcoal make a wood fire nice and warm and let that crisp out nicely you'll be pleasantly surprised now that goat fat itself when you process goat and don't ever throw the fat away. Or or lamb, or beef, uh, sheep, or whatever. You use any one of those, you keep the fat. Once you go hunting again, and you want to make sausage out of your venison, you add that goat fat in there, because venison is lean. And you will have a sausage that, yeah, you will not believe how good that is. Now, eating the sticks, and you, you called it like a dried sausage. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming based on the snap that you get when you're biting, it's in some sort of casing. Yeah, that's natural casing that we don't use collagen. What what kind of what kind of casing are you using? What kind of animal? It's sheep and uh, and um, hog. Now hog makes the thick sausage. Right. We, I didn't bring any of that tonight. That's what we call. We cook that on a fire, mm. right? That's also better than bratwurst. <laughs> yeah, it's better. So you have a you have a bull tongue that you still should heat over a fire then as well no no okay no, no that's no if you uh it's basically what we call beef sausage south african boer wars wars is afrikaans for sausage okay wars and this is dried wars and then we get the boer which is a thick one that makes out of the hog casing and you cook that on a fire the hog casing will give you about a 30 millimeter uh, 30 millimeter like just over two inches so you're going to sell that as well that's the plan. We we are working on that part of the licensing too, because everything is separate. Everything is licensed separately, right. because that's a raw product. Now you can imagine the controls involved in raw product. Yeah. But um, then the, these casings right here, that sheep. There's some sheep casings that I don't know where they get the sheep from. These things are natural, and it's ten, fifteen, twenty foot. A, a case one. <laughs> One, so much so that the industrial stuffer that we use has got about a three-quarter of a foot spout. It would slide all the way. We push it as fast as we as far back as we can, and we have to eventually cut it. It's too much. You can't get it on the spout. 
One. <laughs> I don't know where they get that shit That's from. Some serious sheep. I'm telling you, that is amazing. But that uh, casing material there is as strong as a guitar string when it's dry. It's very, if you twist it up and you let it dry, you can use it as a bowstring. That's very strong. But obviously in this case it's not, but it's a pressure, they pressure clean them and then they, they flushed out with the coarse salt all the time. They packed in coarse salt comes uh, the company that supplies us. Um, we buy from from their middleman at the moment here because we our volumes are not where it needs to be, but we will buy buying a crate of that probably every week. A crate means one hank. One hank is one bunch of casings, and it'll give you approximately 100 pounds of a stuffed product. Wow. And uh, we get, and there's about 80 uh, hanks in a, in a crate. We would be buying one of those every week. Now, when you pull that out, it's also packed. You actually, actually have to rinse all the salt inside of it out and on the outside of it. There's literally a handful of salt that just washes off of it. It's so well... It's super clean. It's very highly dis- highly controlled. Um, it is like surgical. By the time we pull it out, it's surgical. And then, we, and it, then all you get put inside it is v- vinegar uh, and the spices goes into that and the outside is dried. So that snap you get, that's from that natural casing. Yeah, I, I would say like, if so we go to compare textures. I can tell you right now, I don't need to open the beef jerky to tell you that beef jerky... Well, it's has the texture of beef jerky, but this bultong is like eating a bite of steak. It's yeah. almost the exact so same texture. I'll tell you something, and it, I'm I'm <clears throat> looking at this bag of uh, beef jerky here, and I was I just noticed this with this bultong is that that beef jerky I could hold it up to the light, and it's not it, it's not transparent. This bultong. Transparent. Right through it. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, this some of this stuff is cut the same exact thickness, but it's transparent. Yeah. So another diff- severe difference between the two, jerky is cut with the grain. Botong is cut with the grain before it is sliced again. So we hang it and you'll see the grain of the meat run, run down. So when we slice, we actually cross cut it. So when you say it's like a piece of texture of a steak, Steak is sliced cross-cut so that it's tender. That's exactly what that is. We hang it with the grain, but we cross-cut it. When we slice it up with the machine, we cross-cut it to get it to that. I feel how ten- like the, the tenderness of it, I could literally gorge myself on it. Yeah. I could sit and eat a whole entire bag until I've ate so much that I feel sick. I had, to, another I had to put a dip in just so I didn't. <laughs> I know, I did the same thing. <laughs> There's another one that we make that is a um, the same, and I believe it's... Nope. So this stuff need to be kept in a... I see you have it in a cooler. Should it be kept cool? In the refrigerator, you can. Normally, it doesn't last long enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's the other one. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, a, that's a chili... That's the chili bite. In other words, the spice is similar to the one that's in the sausage right here. Right. But now it's sliced. So there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a big difference. Um, the chili bite will have a slight bite to it as well. Just like the sausage, but it won't burn. You will just complement the meat and you'll have a chili flavor to it. That one is regular, the one that you had tasted. I really do love how you can genuinely taste the beef. Hmm. Something like else. Beef jerky, you taste their you taste their spices, like you said. Yeah. This I I mean I can you can taste the beef. The meat is there, yeah. Something else I've noticed the big difference in eating this bull versus beef jerky is that 
I get like when you eat when I eat beef jerky, I get like uh, potato chip full. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But eating the the bulltong, I'm I get like food full. That's yeah, food full. No, yeah, it's it's like eating a piece of it's like eating meat full. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Ben, my business partner, what he what he does is he works out a lot and he's on the health side as well, and uh, he would eat um, two or three sausages and he wouldn't eat for hours afterwards because it fills you up. Yeah. It's actual, and it's the fat content that does that. The fat content, your body knows now it's got the carbs that it needs. It's going to stop right there. It's got the energy. Everything is what it needs. It's got it right there. So um, it's it's food full that you're going to get. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked. You, you we, I do want to talk shelf life because I see this, and I'm like, man, this I got to buy some of this. This is going in the hunting backpack. For sure. Going to the tree stand. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I don't know that it would last more than a day. Oh, yeah. No, you will. No, I mean, I'll, I'll probably eat all of it in a day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take like Especially 10. if you sit down with the boys at camp, it's yeah. gone in 30 minutes. You want, you want to take like 10 or 20 half-pound packets with you so you can open one packet at a time. Yeah. And just eat that and ration yourself. Because you open a pound pack, like that's a pound package. You open up, oh, actually, that's more than, that's probably about two, three. But anyway, if you open a bag like that around the fire, uh, conservatively, 10 minutes, gone. I was say 10 minutes, yeah. yeah. 10 minutes, then it's gone. And then, I, you know, a, the, a lot of bars in Africa actually use that. They put it on the tables because it's got two things, two, does two very good things. It gets somebody to eat something while he's drinking. Mm-hmm. That's very good. And makes them thirsty, but they drink more. And they keep eating it. So they keep putting protein and they uh, they keep eating it while they, and then the bar yeah. sells more beer. Oh, so you can drink longer because you're eating, right? Technically, you you yeah, well, guess. yeah, you, you not that you should drive after yes, but it keeps you from feeling more impaired. Correct. You will sit there and drink just six beers, uh, and maybe eat a handful of peanuts, or you drink six beers and you eat bultong. You are probably better off with the bultong side of it. Yeah. I be- I believe that. Yes, I'm definitely. I need to get some of this from you and take it to uh, Alabama next weekend. Yeah, cool. this. Uh, yeah. yeah, I gotta. I gotta. I gotta get some of this to Keith. As as a um, as it penetrates, this is the market. People taste it. They they want more every time they want they want more, and it's because they they have been conditioned to accept this as dried beef, but beef jerky and bolton is not the same thing. Right? No, not at all. Not at all. It's actual meat. And, uh, well, jerky is meat, too. It's just cut different and spiced different. But they both preservation methods, you know. Uh, I really, it's not, like, beef jerky is, is grainy. Tough. Yes. It's because it's cut with the grain. Now, so this is I, still can tell you, I, can, I can tell you, the, the, I would say the jerky that's sitting on the table right now is probably, in my opinion, the least dry major like name brand beef jerky out there yes yeah but it's still not at it, it's still it tastes feels way more dry i might as well throw this well, don't throw it in the garbage and it's, and give you, it to the kids yeah the um advertising sells like packages and it sells but the, in the end of the day the flavor is gonna and we pay i wouldn't be surprised if we pay 10 times for our beef what this company does. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so, but there's a big difference in the quality of beef that we that we get and they get. Um, it's like being the difference between a gourmet restaurant and a food factory. 
Like you go to these some of these former large buffet restaurants, and that's just a food factory. I mean, these guys, the food comes in, and it's just crazy. Whereas you go to a gourmet restaurant, and suddenly there's it's a whole different ball game. It's it's specified, it's specific, it's specialized. The product is specialized, and be, uh, in the past, even though our our cost is substantially higher because of no volume and so forth, but the our retail is not that far off. Our retail is virtually the exact same as theirs. And when you go into the market with a product that tastes like this one, which you can pay this pretty much the same, maybe a quarter more than you do the other part, the other products, you're going to go back to this one. Flavor in the end will work. There are individuals that say to me, um, yeah, but you know, we have to have a, a, a specific uh, level of sodium and you can't have gluten and you can't have uh, any soy products. You can't have any of this. In I'm like, you know, the 80% of the, Bultong or jerky market they drive too fast they drink too much and they smoke <laughs> do you think they're going to care about soy or <laughs> right you know or what or gluten these guys they don't i mean these men eat meat right and we supply them with the best possible product we can so uh it's we we will tailor it that's it but we're not going to go off of the tradition just because the market demands it. No. Right. Our, there is a market for our product. Just like there's a market for beef jerky. I've never met somebody that didn't like Bolton, but I'm pretty sure they're out there. And that's perfectly fine. It's good. Nobody has to like everything that's available. Variety is the name of the game. I don't know. Speaking of like beef jerky versus Bolton, I don't know who got the, the great idea that they were going to make bacon beef jerky. Have you yeah. had that before? Have not. Yeah. Absolute garbage. Yeah, you don't want it. And turkey. Mm, no. Oh yeah, I can already tell you anything. They're like turkey bacon or turkey. Mm. No, no, I, garbage. I'm, I'm sure Jim. Jim probably loves that that bacon beef jerky because he eats that real flimsy bacon. You know, I mm. feel like Jim could genuinely appreciate this too. Though. Oh, absolutely, I'm sure he could. But what I'm saying is, is, is Jim eats. He was he was complaining because we were cooking bacon to like kind of a, a semi a crisp. crispy, but not overwhelmed like dark crispy mm. just to where it shrinks up good and then it's done you let it sit and it's got the the fat is still chewy but the meat is kind of crispy mm-hmm. you know he wants it he, he's trying to eat it like a rare steak one side other side pull it off no 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 you gotta especially not with pork i don't mess around with that <laughs> no yeah there's one way you, you cook bacon that's in an air fryer I've never made bacon in the air fryer. You'll never change if you do. I just like the bacon grease. I say, I do mean. you still get the grease out of the air fryer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll see. It, it'll make yeah. it exactly the way you want it. Because I like it exactly the same. The meat is crispy and the fat is almost crispy. Almost. Now, see, I'll tell that you, though. delicious. You're going you're gonna to be hard-pressed. You, 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 I'm hard-pressed to like that. I, because when my grandmother passed away, I got her cast iron skillet that all go. she did in that skillet was make bacon and cornbread. Mm-hmm. So that sucker is straight. Sla- I'm, I'm telling you, it's got to at least have a, about a sixteenth of an inch of bacon grease just seasoned. built into the bottom of that pan. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's seasoned in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My my business partner, the reason um, he came on board was uh, years ago. He's he's a, a customer in the, in the archery side. He's also a level two coach now and. Um, I said to him, and he's got a, a, um, a boba tea shop in Wiener Garden. Mm-hmm. He's Vietnamese. And uh, he's got this boba tea place. And, and I, I let him taste this. And he's, and he's like, this is really good. 
and he's got a good palate. He's an he's an incredible cook or chef. He doesn't believe so, but he is. But anyway, so he came to me one day and he said, "If you can make this taste like bacon," and I thought, "Okay." So let me try and see if I can develop a recipe. It took me, it takes an obscene amount of time and money to develop a recipe because you've got to keep on making and changing and making and changing. It's like an artist. Right. You've got, you got this picture in your head, and if it doesn't come out exactly like it, you don't like it, right? It's just the same thing. So you've got to tweak it here, tweak it there. And then uh, as I was making it, I was still, my friends were still getting it, and you know, my friends would say, okay, can, can I buy, sell me a packet, and I can't sell because I'm not unlicensed. But they would basically donate a couple of bucks for the plastic we use for the vacuum or whatever but anyway so i came up one day and i i just hit it me and the wife made some that night and four days later i opened the cabinet and i smelled this is something that this might be it took one out broke it in half and i said to my wife taste this and she tasted it and she just looked at me we just knew right then and i've I, I kept on making it to see if i could make it consistent the recipe consistent because every single recipe i mix the spices for that recipe i don't have bulk i don't mix bulk so and i did it over and over and over and again one day i let him taste it and a lot of people i would give it to a lot of people to taste to see what they say everybody was always said i would say what do you taste and they were like oh this is delicious that's not the words i was looking for <laughs> i was looking What's for the profile yeah i was looking for somebody that says i taste opportunity right and uh he he, I hit it when he when he tasted it. He looked at me and he's like, "Yeah, this is it, this is it." And it took a long time from the day that he said, "Make it taste like bacon." It doesn't taste like black bacon, of course. It's beef, but the the flavor, according to him, is on that level. Right now, then yeah, we've I made it. That that's it, and this is the one we're going to continue with now. And then the regular. There's one that doesn't have this flavor. It's just basically that beef. Right. In a stick. That's it. Hmm. We're going to mix it and cut it in five-inch pieces for the kids to take to school. And you know. I, don't know, I look at this and I'm like, man, this is the perfect uh, like backpack, backcountry snack, the hunting snack. That Because yeah. it is. I mean, this. you say this this big bag and you said but that was three pounds? Uh, probably two. I don't know. Feels like about two pounds. I don't know. Maybe. But that's a lot. I just threw it in there and. That is that thing though that like because it has the fat on it. It's it, like you said, perfect for backcountry and stuff like that because you have all the energy from the fat and everything. Yeah. But it, I, you look at this and I'm this. This is a bag of fuel. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. One hundred percent. When you said it earlier, you eat this, you get meat. Now, if you take the lean one without fat, you you can bend my arm enough and I can make you some lean. You'll eat two handfuls of lean compared to one handful of that and have the same full feeling right so that's backcountry or fishing or hunting whatever that's it right there um and it was developed for that purpose literally was developed to preserve meat over a long period of time without refrigeration that's what it was and uh, there it is i mean it, so so is uh, the other jerkies that you get here same reason they just i think they worked jerky for the commercial market in the united states i think they warped it from what it originally was i ate a piece of jerky one day in indiana that was built on it was built on it was completely lean cut all the fat off but it was the same piece cross cut sliced every exactly the same so there are jerky makers who make a 
jerky. They call it jerky, but it's actually biltong. They don't, just don't use our spices. Right. Um, but they cut it the same. So there's some similarities there. But most of the market, I think, has been warped to accommodate machines and, you know, ease of sell. You know, the, yeah, this, I don't know. Just stay with the original is my, just stay with it. If you've, right. you've got a winning recipe, just stay with it, you know? So these, these packages we have in here are all like vacuum sealed, um, in the little vacuum packs. Once that package is open, unrefrigerated, how long generally does that last? Well, I forgot once uh, a piece in the cabinet because of the way the door works. And about three months, no, there was no direct sunlight on it. It was in the cabinet, right, in the facility. So in about three months, it was testing time. So I would make a batch and then eat it and, you know, okay, well, this is not good. Now I have to tweak the cumin or I have to tweak this or whatever it is. There's so many, there's like 16 different ones in there. So you tweak one, like you add heat, you can cut sodium. You know what I mean? You cut salt or whatever it is. Right. Because if you don't, then it comes out to salt, whatever. So eventually, in about a month, wasn't it wasn't three months, it was about a month, I opened the cabinet once again, and I looked on the left-hand side, and there's this piece hanging. I was like, oh, I wonder how that's going to taste. And I put it out and I cut it. Delicious, 100%. Now, I didn't have direct sunlight on it. So, I cannot say exactly, but I would say uh, for safe, for myself, personally, I would, about five days. If you can keep that back, at, if you can keep some in there for five days, it'll be all right. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking a packet that would last five days. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be hard. I was just thinking, well, yeah, not an open pack. But vacuum sealed like that, I'm sure it lasts quite a bit longer. Oh, definitely, yeah. You no, I mean like two weeks. Product weeks. in the packet. I don't think you would have a packet that would last five days. No, yeah, I don't You disagree. would eat it well before five days. Ever. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it, if, if you did carry something like this into the backcountry and at a long trip, you're out there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, take, but, take two bags with you. Oh, yeah. No, you're definitely going to get into open a pack. And if you were very uh, conservative <laughs> disciplined I, I was gonna say discipline yeah <laughs> discipline and could ration yourself yeah. and make sure you ate it over the course of five days then it would last the package of meat the meat in the package like for you to eat would be there five days later but if you're me uh five days is uh, yeah whatever it's gonna be gone by day mm-hmm. one and a half yeah i mean uh my best ben he, he took uh he bought, I think, about 10 pounds or 15 pounds that he would, uh, and he took it home just so that we, he could have when he comes from the gym or after he's worked out, he can boost himself with some protein, whatever it is. And uh, way before the time, he came on, it's like, I need to buy more jerky. I'm unfinished. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he finished it. So, you know. No, it's a um, business that's taken off. Uh, we have the, the resources. With as far as the product and the financing is on Ben's side, he does the financing part of it. We've got I've got the facility, the manufacturer, and the recipes because I've been doing it my entire life. I started when I was seven years old. My first job was cleaning where my parents and sisters were processing. That was my first job, cleaning. Yeah. At ten, I was taught how to sharpen the knives, and so I've been through everything. And uh, been incredibly good at the, the uh, administrative part of it. The pH testing, we have to test water activity every single batch. So he's 
really good at that, what he does. He's a former uh, vet as well, n multiple deployments, uh, I believe Afghanistan and Iraq, I'm not sure. Once as a contractor, he's uh, he served the country. Those those two were pretty popular for a few years. Yeah, they uh, he served the country well. And, um, you know, he's disciplined. Right. And that's what helps on this side. I was in the military myself, but uh, f uh, Alliance Forces, and uh, that helps. The, the 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 discipline is there you know the recipe is there he takes care of the rest of it and um we we're gonna make it i think we're gonna make it with this product i think we are oh i do not have a single doubt and i think this stuff is really and as we've talked some you know being able to take it hunting and stuff but i think your your average hunter your outdoorsman is really going to enjoy the profile of the fat Yes, I think so too. Because yeah. those kind of people are the kind of people that cherish that yes. fatty flavor. Yeah. We had a gentleman the other day. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because we had a gentleman that wants to buy some of our product as and distribute it as a distributor. What's one of the reasons we have to have USDA? If it was just Florida, it's Florida Department of Agriculture and the license and we can make it and sell it. That's it. But we want to export, not just to other states but to you know internationally as well so we need usda and one of the gentlemen he sells local and he wants and he sells it uh his product it's is currently labeled made by another manufacturer also here one of the other two and um i held the package like that open we had a, a business meeting and I held the package open and i he said i said you want to taste it and he put his hand out and he took a piece of fat on it just yeah. like just like you mentioned he knew exactly what he was doing so when I saw that, I looked at Ben and I said, yeah, he's, he's eaten Boltong before. He knows. Because you didn't go for the lean one. You know? Right. And uh, that's what you mentioned. Outdoorsy people, they know. Can we, can we try some of that other stuff there? The, this here? And the you have a smaller package so we're not open a three-pound pack or a two-pound pack? Or? You, you guys are two grown men. I'm not bringing small packages. <laughs> 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 this is the chili bite. Yeah. That's that's like the first sticks we had, correct? Uh, yeah. Yes. I was say he's gonna have me drinking more beer because, like he said, this stuff is like I eat some and it makes me want to drink more. <laughs> hmm. As if you need an excuse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know I don't complain to have excuses, but after you've tasted that, I'm gonna ask you which one of those two is better. <laughs> you won't be able to tell. This one has a bite. Mm. <laughs> that's uh I, I don't know if it's just a piece i got but i really feel like i can taste the fat better in that one mm -hmm. yep there's a reason there the fat better in in this one yes chili but yeah i get i get a, a fattier flavor out of it yeah. yeah and it's exact same cut exactly the same cut in fact I really enjoy that though. made from the same beef it's the chili it's the actual chili, the, sp the specific type of chili we use. Um, it's almost like the fat is w is warmer. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what. It, that's why you taste the flavor. It's warmer because of the heat of the chili, and it, and like it's it's not hot. It's not spicy. No, not at all. But that's what it does. It's it's almost like tuning a guitar when you develop a recipe. It's really it's that detail. You can be just off. Or with just a touch on that dial, you're just on. That's the difference in the chili when you. Yeah. You see what you see what I'm talking about, where you can taste the fat. 
That is delicious. <laughs> yeah. So now you take two bags with you when you go hunting. You take one chili bite and one uh, regular. We also have a garlic and herb, which is another recipe I developed for the American palate. Ooh, I love garlic. Garlic and herb, and uh, man, we don't have any right now because we're currently in, in the, what they in the, what we call a sterilizing stage because we're waiting for inspections. So nothing is there is no product in that place at all. So right now they can swab the middle of the floor under their deep freeze. I mean, there's that place is like an operating facility. So you have an actual storefront. Yes, we set up in the uh, the. I don't know if you know where the old West Oaks Mall is. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. In Okoe. Yeah, in Okoe. It, it was it used to be a white elephant dying mall. It's actually regenerating itself fast, but we were looking for a location that already has some of the qualifications, like FTP on the walls and tiles and floor drains and whatever it is. You take a regular facility, and you do that, you're looking at half a million dollars, like yeah. right off the of the bat. And if we, I found a place there that used to make cookies that closed and they had everything there, floor drains, all, everything. So went for it, uh, spoke to them. Uh, the mall is not a very financially viable mall as far as clientele is concerned. We don't care because we already have orders. Yeah. We just want to supply. We don't want to manufacture it. <coughs> Excuse me. And in the process, we noticed how the mall is regenerating itself. Now, we will probably, the facility right adjacent to us as part of the same cookie place, we're probably going to go into that too because when all the orders come through, the area we are now is too small. So we're going to go into that one too. But it's the West Oaks Mall in Inakoe. It's right by the food court. You go on your way to the food court on the left. And um, West Oaks Mall is to generate the, uh, the e-pass that is there, the toll, you got DMV in there. Yeah, say so the DMV's there. Yeah. yeah. One of the best DMV's out there. They're actually friendly when you walk in. Yeah. So when I lived in Orange County, <clears throat> I would choose to to drive out of my way to that DMV because it they're actually fast. Yeah, they're fast. You can go, you can make an appointment and you are within ten minutes from your money from your time, you're in and out. Now I don't think anything can compare to Lake County's DMV. No, you can't. Because I'd literally walk in you don't make an appointment walk in 10 minutes you're in and out not even man i've never (laughs) gone in there i've gone in there and told them what i need i pull my number (coughs) and as soon as i pull my number they're calling me to obey there you go well that's good and lake county is also the kind of people where they're like uh yeah it says uh says you traded for this and didn't pay for it cool you don't have to pay taxes (laughs) <laughs> sign you up there. they're not like what'd you trade for they're like oh cool you traded you don't have to pay that yeah. oh, it's like when i went to try and register my 12 foot john boat in orlando at the dmv oh my god mm. they're like it's a 12 foot it's a it's a 12 foot boat i'm like yes we don't have to register it i said but i have a motor on it you put a motor on a 12 foot boat mm-hmm. i'm like y- yes it's a 12 foot aluminum boat with a motor on it well then you have to register it i'm like why am I? That's why I'm here. <laughs> do you? Have, she's like, do you have a, a copy of the prior registration? I'm like, uh. yeah, right here. Well, that's not a copy of the prior registration. I'm like, yes, it is. But your registration doesn't look like this. I'm like, I know because it's from the state of Tennessee, not the mm. state of Florida. They look different. Yeah. And then it, I had trying to register the trailer. You know, they're, oh, do you have a, a bill of sale for the, or you have the, the uh, title for the trailer? I said, no, I, it's a homemade trailer. I have a bill of sale. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, you need a title. I'm like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I have the previous registration from the state of Georgia and the bill of sale where I bought the trailer. Well, can you call the the person? Who, like, he is in Germany now. 
Like, no, I cannot get a hold of this guy. Homemade trailer. Yeah. <laughs> you you lost her right there. Yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't been able to I haven't taken it up to Lake County yet to get it done, but I found some more paperwork and it shouldn't be an issue there. Mm. They they don't think I'm crazy when I tell them. Uh, Homemade trailer. She's like, yeah, my husband made one of them last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said, out of a truck bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the the Red Sox Mall is is regenerating. There is a uh, when I when we started there, it was about I'd say three thousand heads a day in the mall. They're touching six now. Wow! So that's helping. It really is. Not that we need the you know, but we'll probably get sales over the counter. It's a possibility. Absolutely, yeah. But the uh, the USD offices uh, we had to build them an office inside hours where they have the keys and only they can get into it, whatever. So they they offices on this side. It's in the, within the same building. Or four walls, I would say, and then ours is on the other side. And it could be, it looks cold because now there's a wall in the front that I had to build to seal the place off from the mall air, so that there's no air from the mall coming in. So we have positive pressure inside. You open the door to go through, and there's wind blowing in your face. Right. That's to keep any bacteria or virus or whatever from getting sucked into it. You know. So the place doesn't look like a regular retail store, but it's not. So. Yeah. You know, we will retail from there. And then the wet product, probably too, as soon as we can get over the hill with this biltong and get, get it shipped and get that nicely running smooth, we will start that. Because the, the sausage that you cook in a fire, mm-hmm. if you make a hot dog roll out of that with onions and peppers and a specific spice sauce that I mix, and you put it in there, um, you will dream when you eat that. Yeah. <laughs> you will dream. It's beautiful. But I, I fully that. believe it after eating... This stuff, my goodness. Yeah, it's really good. It's really the sausage. It's getting it into the market. I thought it was going to be harder, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. It you sells just, itself. Yeah, people know what quality is. They you, know you can literally. It, it, it sounds kind of cliche to say it, but you can you can taste it. Yeah, here you can. Yeah. You can taste a difference in the the quality of meat eating this bulltong versus any other beef jerky or whatever else you'd buy from the gas station like that there is quality it's a quality cut of meat it tastes like you're eating steak because mm-hmm. you are eating steak it is steak yeah yeah if you see a package with this south african jerky on it um like i said it's going to be the garlic and herb the chili bite and then the regular um if you see it buy it just taste it yeah just taste it and let the product speak for itself i tell a lot of Individuals, yes, but the price, the price is not is not that much different. It's about a quarter on half a pound difference. More oh, expensive. That's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. And if you look at the quality you're talking about, you're willing to pay that. That's why we eat steak at certain high-end restaurants because it's quality. Right. But um, the flavor profile will make it happen. Eventually, it will, it will rain, not the price. Not the price. I, I would also think that once you try it the first time and you realize – Wow, I get a lot more energy. I get full, like a, a longer lasting, full filling. I get like this can, I wouldn't say replace a meal. It can be a meal. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's I not, think in a certain situation, it could easily be a meal replacement if might, it needed to be. That's, that's what, but what I mean is, is it, it's, you say meal replacement, and I think like, uh, a, a little diet drink. shake of you you know you mix it yeah. it's got all the vitamins of a whatever great meal you've had mm-hmm. but it doesn't really leave you feeling full but this can in and of itself be a fulfilling 
energy packed yeah. meal. That Even you eat. for the vegans, I mean, the cows were eating vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but me and my son would make that in a salad. We'd make a big salad, put a pineapple. I of was going to say, I, could, I could easily stick this stuff in a salad and tear it up. Yeah. yeah. We I'm would, not even a salad person. You will eat, an, uh, I would eat obscene amounts of salad because it had that and fair cheese in it. And it's healthy. And you find out what that actually is called. It's called a keto diet. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. called keto. That's yeah. it. I mean, yeah. No, so this stuff is keto friendly. Yes and no, depending on your your cut, depending on the cut itself. There are individuals that say, but you, you cannot control every single slice and say that slice has 30% fat on it. You cannot yeah, go. Fair enough. But uh, so on average, yes. On average, the keto uh, fat, like this piece right there now, that's laying on top right there, that one. Yeah. It's about perfect. And then you get this piece right here. It's too much. Which is going to be my favorite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a piece of fat with a little corner of meat on it. Yeah. Yeah. Another friend of mine, John, he's a runner. He does long distance running, long distance swimming and so forth. And he's told a few people, if you're running and you need that protein boost, buy this. And he's actually taken down packets with him when he goes to races. And he just gives it to his friends and said, eat this while you're running. And everybody comes back for more. Everybody. It's because I believe it. it. When I came up to your uh, to your archery shop to get my bow worked on, there were people showing up to your rent. Yeah, I got two pieces of no fat. You want to try one? No. <laughs> uh, there were people showing up to your archery range. Like, hey, you have any bull tongue? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happens every day, yeah. every day, and it's I, I've never advertised. Everything that's been doing is been word of mouth. Word of everything they buy. I had a guy. Who, I thought about it earlier when you were saying some. Uh, if you can, if you can take enough with you, I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Because there was a guy who came with his wife and his son. He's from France, mm-hmm. and uh, he bought a package of this. And he saw, and he asked me, "What kind of beef jerky is it?" And I'm like, "That bultong, but it's a driver stick." And I'm not sure. I said, "Wait, right here." So I ran up and I got a quarter pound packet. He said, "Do you have small packets?" Because you can see he just wants to test it, right? So I said, yes. And I brought a quarter pound package down and I sold it to him. He went ahead and uh, walked about 10 steps up and he opened it and him and his wife and he turned around. He's like, how many, how many packets do you have? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what happened. He just couldn't stop. I mean, it's uh, because I mean, small packets like this is perfect for hunting. You can take, take this hunting. You can take 10 of these packets with you. Oh, 100%. And uh, over a three or four day period if it'll last you that long but but um you can just snack on that you don't even have to do anything else you just snack yeah. on that take to, to me that that's that's the perfect tree stand the the sticks themselves the the actual like slices are awesome but if i'm gonna have something that i'm gonna take to the tree stand i'd probably just have a a, a thing of sticks yes i'll take the sticks they're, they're just so easy to eat right there in a stand yeah you drop a piece of uh, bottom with nice fat on it out of the stand you're going to want to get out of the stand yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i'll tell you so i did those two pieces with no fat on them they're not as flavorful the flavor uh, isn't there right well i think i kind of had a lot of flavor stuck in my mouth but they're not as i think the only way i can describe it is, Rich. is kind of silky yes yeah yes and it's not there. I'll tell you right now, the chili bite I like more than the regular purely because like the chili bite has that rich mm-hmm. fatty flavor. Yep. Like you you can genuinely taste it like we were talking about eating a steak where when you eat a steak you can the fat just has that real rich Correct. flavor to it. 
the chili bite has the fat has that rich flavor yeah. to it. And it's just that chili. It's all it is. So you can you can change the entire flavor profile. You you change one single spice, it'll change the flavor profile completely. So how's the fat on the the garlic? Garlic and rib, same cut meat, it's exactly the same. But I mean, is it is it is the is does oh, it make the the fat richer or richer? Yeah, yeah. Oof. To me, it tastes to me it tastes richer. I love garlic. I put garlic on it. I was making tacos the other night for my girlfriend, and I put uh, <coughs> diced garlic in it. And she's like, "You, you don't put garlic in tacos." Yes, you do. You put garlic in everything. You can put yeah. garlic on grits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, she uh, she finished her taco and ate all the the meat that fell out and everything. I said. You're you're eating uh you're eating that mighty well to to not uh, put garlic in tacos. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, yeah. Garlic belongs in everything. everything. Yeah. Yes, sir. I agree. Yeah. And I, I put garlic and butter in pretty much about everything I cook, and uh, I add the butter until um, Paula Dean leans in and whispers, "Stop." Mm. <laughs> uh, and, then, <laughs> and then another teaspoon just for good measure yeah, yeah. And then the, the garlic the garlic uh, i i just keep adding that until i hear you know the vampires start to wince from a distance yeah mm. i put the garlic in i'm like that's enough and then i put two or three more spoonfuls. Yeah, got, just a little bit more <laughs> you guys need to eat the mashed potatoes my business partner makes he makes mashed potatoes or he like i said shall i say he adds potatoes to the garlic and butter sauce that he oh. made oh that sounds delicious. It is absolutely amazing. I mean, we, we you know we cook out on on the ranch often at the archery range, and he would make a big pot of it, and he would dish it up, and it doesn't stick to the size of the pot at all. There's too much butter in it. No, there's just the right amount of butter. He, in that's it. right. No so such thing yeah. too much. We eat it, and it's, it's like we make it with that burra sausage or the or the short ribs beef that we cut, whatever, and you cook it over there. It, it's that garlic, garlic potato mash this this guy makes is you can't buy it anywhere <laughs> anywhere That's, oh man butter yeah now i'm gonna have to eat more of this because i'm getting more hungry i'm full and i'm still more hungry so <laughs> you say you eat yourself sick oh that's what i'm saying so i'm drinking a beer <laughs> you guys want to get into the tip of the week yeah I'll get one. I got one for you to start off with, and we kind of talked about it a lot in here. Is is uh, when it comes to food, don't rely so heavily on your eyes. Hmm. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, yeah. Take it in your mouth. If you put two pieces of jerky in your mouth with your eyes closed, you're gonna and you you are told to remove the one that doesn't taste so good. You're gonna take the, the lean one out. Yeah, that's what you're gonna do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you have to absolutely just let it melt in your mouth. And that's what you were talking about, the fat. Yes, I agree. But it goes a lot further than that. Even even outside of Bulltong, there's you know, little creatures and things that we eat. People would sit there and say, oh, the squirrels, they just look gross. They taste gross. That's not true. Mm-mm. Squirrels, no. moorhens, whatever, it's just simply untrue. It, those, those animals can be made to taste delicious if you close your eyes and open your mouth and eat yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You- like, like Hendrick said multiple times, seasoning the proper amount of seasoning yes can change everything yeah, yeah. you can oversalt very easily yeah or undersalt the the the, the border it, it's a it's amazing how close too much or too little is you just gotta hit it right right in the center with lean as well as you have to have it right with the salt and the pepper is very right and and uh i have a feeling that a lot of individuals don't know 
where that limit is so they kill it with with barbecue yeah. barbecue sauce mm. yeah. because barbecue yeah. sauce tastes good so we'll just drown it in that you i know? hate barbecue sauce yeah no i'm not a fan of it either now unless it's mustard sauce i mean that's the difference well i mean I, I don't give me i don't i don't dislike the taste of barbecue sauce most barbecue sauces what i hate is when somebody gives me something that they've smoke barbecue or and or whatever ground it in sauce and then it's, it's already covered in sauce yeah like, drown yeah oh, no did i come here to taste your barbecue the barbecue sauce you bought from the store or did mm. i come here to taste the meat you yeah. got? put it in a bowl let me dip it in there and taste yeah let me yes. add it myself yeah yeah i, I agree yeah I, I think with a lot of stuff where it comes to like you know the moorhens or the squirrels or bull tongue is that especially in america these days people are so close-minded that you're not able a lot of people just don't want to open their their mind and enjoy the profile and everything of the meat itself <coughs> they yep. think that one thing it should taste one certain way and it shouldn't change from that yeah that is true and it's uh, a lot of it is lack of lack of skill yeah. well, and time the the economy is forcing individuals to work five six jobs they want to eat something tasty quick when they get home so you know poisoning themselves until they're 60 or 70 years old is not part of their train of thought at that point in time they don't know how to cook so they're going to buy it they never if you don't if you haven't cooked for yourself before how are you going to know what when is it too much salt or when is it too little salt absolutely uh, so it, it takes experience and if you can if you can select i've got a friend currently that is uh uh on a specific diet that they de deliver the food for him. The man is losing weight. F and he's, he complained to me the other day that he's, uh, he has to eat too much. He says, I have to eat all this food and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And he's losing weight cr like crazy. But it's because it's been done by a dietitian and it's cooked by a professional. So do it. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the difference between the, the, the beef jerkies and the biltongs here. Well, certain biltongs. Well, some of the biltongs here is, is not nearly as good as it could be. But... Uh, if you get a professional to make something, pay them the money and take it home and go and live your 100-mile-an-hour life. That's yeah. okay. Because if you, like you say, you, you get there, they just buy the wings uh, already drowned in the sauce. You have to dig them out. Uh, that's, where's the pleasure in that at all? There's none. There's none. Absolutely. Say so some of the best wings I've ever had didn't have any sauce on them. Yeah, well, I'm keeping yeah, dry season, dude. I'm, I'm I love dry rub. I'd, I'd have dry rub barbecue wings. Whatever, I'd much prefer yeah. that. I will bring you a bottle if you bring your bow back. I can work on it. I'll give you a bottle for what I call Rick's mix. Yeah, I gotta get I gotta get a site, so I'll definitely be back. Yeah, I'll bring you. You can for October. Let me know when, and I'll make sure there's a bottle of dry spice there. You can give it to this man to rub it on his wings, uh, whatever steak, and then cook it. It's called Rick's how, Mix. How late are you open? Uh, on the archery side, we are open uh, uh, Wednesday through Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. So how are you going to balance out this? I might be able this, to make it by one afternoon. How are you going to balance out this bull tong and the archery? And, and Well, everything? I've got a really highly um, successful guy in the archery business helping me out now. Right, He started his buddy almost a year now he's been with me. Um, he has the will to learn. He has the knowledge. He has the skill and he's learned well. He's learned fast. Uh, he's right now turning out to be a one heck of a boat deck as well. So what we do is Monday, Tuesday is meat. So it's production those two days on the jerky side. Mm -hmm. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, 
I will help him out with product. Because I'm only there at the range now physically Friday afternoons or Saturday and Sunday to do my coaching classes. That's it. The rest of the time I'm at the jockey shop during the development stage. Right. So once it runs and we've got our we've got it staffed, then I'll be bouncing between the two and eating jerky on the way. But uh, the the um, right now I've got a very very good guy running the archery business. He's outstanding. His name's Mike, and um, he's you cannot I cannot do what I do now if he wasn't as trustworthy and as uh, effective as, as what he does. It's not possible. So I'm going to balance it with that. Put the right people in place. Every time we see a pop up, that question pop off on pop up on Facebook. Where, where's the where's the place to take your bow in Central Florida? We're yep, tagging you guys in there. You've been commenting, and they've been coming. Yeah, yeah, they've been yeah. coming. Yeah, and it's, everybody's been happy. It's genuine. Like, I can speak to as as I had met you as a person, and I know that you just the the way that you're able to spew everything. Like, I there's a hundred percent you know your stuff, and that's the person I want to take my stuff to. Mm. But actually, having been to your shop now. There's no doubt. Yeah. hundred percent. That, yeah. That's, that's the only place I'd recommend to anybody. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you give good, honest day of uh, time of day for that person that's standing right in front of you there. 100%. Uh, and, I, and we were interrupted if I'm not mistaken, actually quite a few times. Yeah, but, it was a couple of times people came in and out, but it yeah, was, but, uh, just focus for that five minutes on this and do it properly and get it done. You don't have to come back to it. And that's really the motto that I taught Mike as well. That's it. If you've got this bow in front of you, especially when you'll be restringing and retuning, then you cannot be having interruptions. You want to make sure because there's a specific modus operandi on when you do a, how you do a bow. Yeah. You cannot veer off from that. And uh, if you get interrupted, that's a problem. Um, it's like spice mixing. If I'm in the mixing spices, somebody talks to me, You'll meet me then, because yeah, I'm not friendly at that point. Because you you can't make that mistake. Yeah. Um, and with the boats, it's the same thing. Just whatever you're busy with, do it right the first time, right there, and then you carry on. And a bow shops are trying to chase the money, so they want to do as much as they can, so they do everything half-ass. Yeah. I mean, I wa- I watched you <sighs> set it up and then quadruple, triple, quadruple. I mean, you just checked it over and over to make sure everything you did was a hundred percent accurate. Mm. I mean, right, and especially, I know that the, the type of person you are, you're putting that same stuff into your bull tongue. Mm-hmm. So, there's yeah. not a doubt that. No, yeah, just put the, put in the time. The people will pay for it. They know quality. Right. Whether 100%. it's, yeah, they know quality. Everybody knows quality. And you get to a point in the beginning, you want to enter the market, you have to maybe cut your price, blah, 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 be competitive, get in there. But you just keep going. And eventually, if the prices go up, I mean, right now, what's happening in the archery business, for instance, now, uh, everything, in, and in this business, the meat prices, everything is rising because of the gas. Everything is rising. I will put it out, and I have before on my archery page. Hey, guys, uh, prices are rising. What would you guys be willing to increase to? I ask the customers, and they will tell you. I will say, look, we were charging $15 range fee. Can we do uh, for the uh, past five years? Would you guys do 20 I've not seen a single guy that hasn't said yes. Uh, you just five dollars is nothing for for quality. You put it out to them, and they will increase your prices because they want you to be in business. Right. They want you to stay in business. Same thing here. And I really, I, I mean, you talk about prices rising, but I, I, I went and you put the drop away on, and you tuned the bow and did all kinds of stuff to it. And I, I really, I, I was extremely pleased with what I paid. Yeah. I, I didn't. It was a fair price. Yeah. 
with a fair price. And it's there's a difference between making a killing and a fair price. If a fair price makes a customer come back. Right. A killing will make a lot of profit right now. You never see him again. Yeah. That's not how you do well, how I do business. It's not gonna work. I should be charging five times what I do for that jerky and I don't because it's not fair. It's not a fair price. Yeah. Once I'm in the market and I raise the price a dollar, every single person that's tasted it is gonna say, Yeah, it's no problem. Buy it. Is it you sure you don't you don't want two dollars? One dollar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incidentally in the archery side, sometimes I do something so quick, it's like add a D loop on somebody's bow and they you know, and I've got things going on, but this guy really you know, comes across and he's friendly and he's I'm going to help this guy. And I put a D-loop in his bow quickly. The D-loop material is approximately four inches. It probably cost me on a very expensive bad day seven cents, right? Worth five minutes of my time. I'm not going to charge for it because it's a, it's nickel and diming. What do you, the big box stores will charge you up to $20 to put a D-loop in your bow. Up to $20 to do that for that five minutes. I was like, no, I'm not charging that. Every single time somebody has offered to say, so how much do I owe you? I'm like, no, it's a deal. Don't worry about it. They'll give me $10. I would have charged five. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, just let people do that. You know, you're going to get one, one person, maybe in a thousand, is going to take advantage of you. One. Like we talked about when I was there at your shop, customer service is, everything. customer service is what makes you your money. It's everything. It's everything. Without yeah. that, you're done. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because you talk about people recognizing quality. Uh, I had a bow eleven years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Buddy dry fired it, mm. had to have it repaired. In order to have it repaired, I had to take it to a dealer mm-hmm. of boat a Bowtech dealer. Uh, so I took it down to uh, archery shop in Clarksville, Tennessee. That was my closest Bowtech dealer. She uh, repaired it for me, and then I was having some issues with it, and I was going to have to, you know, come out of pocket on my own. So instead of driving further to Clarksville, I drove to Herndon Archery, which was closer to me in Herndon, Kentucky. And I walked in there, and the guy, his hours were Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. sometimes, call ahead. Mm. He was there, you know, if you called him and he could be there, he'd, he'd come get in the shop. Mm-hmm. If he just showed up, he might be in there. He might not. Mm. He was retired. He, he just, he had retired and he wanted to have an archery shop. So Hobby business. Yeah, yep. pretty much. But he was great, a great bow tech. He took that bow and he looks at it and he says, this was dry fired, wasn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. He said, so-and-so down in Clarksville fixed it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, I can tell. He said, I'm going to fix it for you. Yeah. I was like, well, all I needed was like the peep sight readjusted or something like that. He went back through and redid all the serving. He said, come over here and sit down. Mm. So I walked behind the counter, sat down with him. He redid all the serving on it. He's like, yeah, this is where she did this wrong and she did that wrong and she did that wrong, but I'm going to fix it. Mm. And then he charged me 10 bucks for the peep. Yeah. That's it. See? Yeah. (laughs) That's customer service right there. I've had multiple situations like that. And when I was every time, so I was like, where where do you go get your bow? I was like, Herndon Archery, right now. Yeah. Drive, drive your butt over there to Herndon, to yeah. Kentucky, and, and have him fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it's happened so many times. People come in, can you just retie my peep for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I hold the bow, and I can see the, the lateral is out. I can see it's out. The bow is out of tune. The cam is out of alignment. I'm like, 
And then I, I'm, I tell them, right, look, I'm going to go through the basic tune because I do it on every bow. I won't charge you for it, but I'm going to go through the basic tune. And then I put the bow in the vise and the horizontal will be out like an inch. And it will be too far below level or shouldn't be below level at all on the horizontal. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, and I put the pendulum on it and I, you saw me do it with yours. Yes, sir, yeah. And I saw, and I say to them, look, so this should be in the center, that should be there because you want all the energy on the top of the arrow. And I would explain it to them and they just stand there because nobody's ever given them time of day before. They don't even know what I'm doing. But now that I'm telling them, now they're wondering why the other shop didn't do that initially. Right. So they come in, can you just do a deal? No, but you need more than that. And that the moment you say that, they think, oh, he's just trying to make money out of me. But when I say to them, I won't charge you, but I'm going to do a basic tune, I tune the bow, get it done, give it to them, and they tip me $20. Okay, well, I would have charged 10 Right. See what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. So it, it takes time for them to, because the, there are certain, actually large businesses that would scare the people. So they come into my shop and they're like, oh, where's this guy going to do me? How's he going to do me? And when I finally found out I'm not, then they start referring people to my shop. That's the best advertising. Why would you want to advertise any other way? I've told several people since I've been up there to your shop. I'm like, listen, he is like extremely knowledgeable. I said, when he was tuning my bow, he literally looked at me. Like I didn't have to draw anything back. You looked at me and you told me my draw length. (laughs) And you had it like adjusted and set and everything. And I've pulled it back since and it's perfect. Yeah. You can see it in somebody's height. Yeah. I was like, you just like, you looked at me and you knew my draw length. Yeah. You didn't even have to have me do any kind of measurements or you just knew it sometimes you stand and you measure wingspan and you divide 2.5 and all that it's it gets you close but it doesn't get you 100 percent. you could be off half and i can be half an inch off just on the gas too but it's a, it's a very quick adjustment that i can but i can pretty much see pretty much where you're at because i've been doing it for 49 years so you know you get used to it but um if you in a shop with somebody that's knowledgeable and not you, he's not using it to, to reel you in and trap you. They're not, you're not a salesman. You're not, yeah, no. Yeah. No. I, and I'm so happy I cannot sell. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> well, as we covered several times, quality sells itself. It does. Absolutely. Well, Henrik, what do you got for a tip of the week? Now, well, keep in mind, this, this podcast is going to come out just in time, even if it doesn't have anything to do with Bulltong. It's going to come out just in time for everybody in Zone C to have missed a deer with their bow. This will come out the Monday after the opening weekend of, of archery season here in Zone C. So what I would say, my tip of the week would be, make sure you read your deer right. Make sure that deer, if he's alert, and you're going to shoot the compound recurve, doesn't really matter if you're going to shoot at a deer that is alert. Try and ensure that you can cut the, the hair off his belly just behind the elbow. Don't aim on your kill zone. Same low, because when you shoot and he's alert, he's going to drop, and he's going to drop right into your arrow. If you aim on the kill zone, you will shoot over his back. I actually watched a video today at work of Michael Waddell saying the same thing. He's like, listen, he's like, I know all y'all, you shoot your targets, and you want to put your stuff right in the kill zone. He said, but I can't tell you, as many years as I've been in the industry bow hunting, he said, almost every day you shoot at, like you said, if it's alert, it's going to drop. Yes. He said the same place that you just said to put it. And he said, you're going to hit in the kill zone every time. You know where the heart is? Aim right there. Drop your bow down so that you, your, the broadhead can cut the hair off the skin. You don't want to cut the skin. Just the hair off the skin. And if you let that arrow go, that deer is going to drop straight into that arrow. 
every time. Well, Henrik, how can we? How can the? Uh, how can these lovely people find your? Uh, we are business? on the uh, internet at um, SouthAfricanJerky.com. Okay. The website, as far as I know, has been completely redesigned, and I think it's already launched. You can place orders on the website uh, after our. We we always ask for a ten day lead time. Right. So because every order is made fresh, we don't store uh, ten pounds or ten tons of biltong. You order it from us, we will actually order the meat. Two days later, the meat will arrive. We will then slice, dice, and spice and make your biltong for you, and then mail it. So we're looking for a ten day lead time. If they order right now, it will be longer because we will have a final inspection next week. And then, well, this is not coming out for two weeks. So. Oh yeah, when you order online, you'll have your product in ten days. If I don't care if you're in Alaska, Hawaii, or in the United States. So, um, what size orders are you taking on your website? Right now, they uh, you can do quarter pound, half pound, and full pound. Um, we would, for instance, let's say we make a batch and we have four. Uh, let's say we have orders for about five hundred pounds, and you order a pound of it. We will pack X amount, right? In quarter pound packages, X pound in half pound. So if you order half a pound, you might get two quarter pound packages. Or you might get a half pound package. Or a full pound, you might get two half pounds or a full pound or whatever it is. I've actually got some some positive ship uh, uh, comments back before from people who ordered a pound and I sent them four quarter pound packages. Like, oh, that was nice, actually, because we could keep them closed. So uh, it's half pound, quarter pound, and then you will get the singles are not under yet. The, the, and those weights go for the sliced steak as well as for the sticks. Same thing, half pound, uh, half pound, quarter pound, and pound packages. Might I recommend you forego the half and quarter pound and just buy the full pound? Yeah, it's yes, probably a good idea. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It'll save you on shipping because you can yeah, exactly. you can order some more. Yeah, we use flat rate packaging with the post office as well, and it's honestly actually true. If you send a anything more than two pounds. It's going to be a $16 shipping charge to it, right? So I can put up to 10 packets in that box. So if you divide that, it's only a buck sixty per package shipping. So, you know, there's advantages to it. But I'm not saying buy 16 packages just because it's shipping. I'm not saying that. Yeah. It's more economical <laughs> to do that that way. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and buy 16 packages, though, because you're, you're going to want it. Yeah. I mean, all you're doing by buying the smaller, I would say any smaller than a pound, is you're going... Now I have to wait another ten days mm-hmm. for it to get the rest of it to get out here to <laughs> yeah. me. Just you order, order it all at once. You order sixteen uh, quarter pound packages. Day seventeen, you're going to wish you did more. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to eat one a day. Day seventeen, you're going. Okay, when day twenty seven is, <laughs> let me put the X on the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, all right, well, Henry, uh, Henrik, I really appreciate you joining us, and thank uh, you for the invitation. Appreciate oh, that very much. Oh, and congratulations on your uh, your U.S. citizenship. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes, that 15th of March was a good day. Yeah. yeah. 23 years and I don't know how many days, but yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. I didn't realize you knew that, but yes. Yeah, I, I had spoke to you at some point uh, right around that time period oh, uh, about okay. coming on the show and uh, again. and. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was nice, but thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah. Thank you. Buy thank- some Biltong. Definitely. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs>